The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to Dose of Leadership. So happy you're tuning in. This is an Equity Bank-sponsored episode where we have Tammy McDonald on the show. She's the owner and publisher of Her Life magazine. She's celebrating her fifth year with Her Life magazine, and the magazine itself has just entered its 12th year of publication. She has franchises in California, New York, Columbia, Missouri, Kansas City. She's married. They have uh, two boys, Carter 8 and Quaid 10. She's a stepmom to another kid, 17, who's 17. She was born and raised in Overland Park, Kansas. She attended the University of Georgia on a full-ride diving scholarship. And at Georgia, she was a member of the NCAA National Championship team for three consecutive years. She continued her education at UGA and earned her master's in sports management. She's a working mom, enjoys her family, loves to travel, ride bikes with her boys. But she chose to take a path, one that was not planned. And that's the big takeaway from this lesson. I love how she opens up about that because I think sometimes, particularly moms, and if they have an entrepreneurial bent or an entrepreneurial nature to them, I think society and culture and and motherhood pulls them in all kinds of different directions. And I don't like the term work-life balance. I think it's a myth. I don't think it exists. I think it's about priorities. Again, having a tremendous amount of self-awareness of knowing who you are and what it is you want to accomplish and where you can best serve. And that's what this episode is about. Tammy listened to her gut. She she knows who she is. She's got tremendous self-awareness. And when an opportunity presented itself, she had that self-awareness Because she had that self-awareness, when an opportunity presented itself, she took that leap. She went through that door, not knowing where it was going to take her, but having the wherewithal, the big picture ability to understand that this is a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and she took the leap, not knowing where it's going to take her. Understanding that fear and uncertainty never goes away. We talk about that all the time here in Dose of Leadership. Talking to Tammy, it's a great lesson in that, and I think that's going to be the big takeaway for you. At least it was for me in this episode. It's a really great episode, and she's a really great example, particularly for entrepreneurs or people thinking about jumping into the entrepreneurship arena, particularly if you're a mother with young kids. Great example. show is brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank. It's been an honor and a privilege to have them be sponsors coming on two years now. It's been exciting and fun to get to know them over the past two years, to know the leadership, to see where they're going, to see them expand, to see them grow. Currently, they have branches in Oklahoma, Missouri, and Arkansas, but they got plans to go even farther. They're only going to be growing, and their team knows what it takes to start and grow a business. They understand the importance of leadership. Clearly, it's a team that knows how to lead for growth. And so if you're kind of tired of your bank or you're looking for a bank or your current bank seems like it's more of a follower than a leader and you want to work with a bank that really understands your needs, I encourage you to check out my friends at Equity Bank. Go to equitybank.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. Now let's join our conversation with Tammy McDonald, the owner and publisher of Her Life magazine in this special series brought to you by Equity Bank here on Dose of Leadership. Well, Tammy, welcome to Dose of Leadership. Thanks for coming on the show. 
Thank you for having me. Uh, we were talking a little bit before the recording, talking about the challenges of working from home and uh, everything else. So have you, oh, I was curious though, with this Her Life magazine, have you always worked from home or did you have it, is, is it an office that you went into? We, our corporate office is in Overland Park, Kansas. So I primarily work out of there, but I also find myself working a lot from home. So tell me a little bit about the the differences. I mean, you know, you know everybody's faced with um, everything turned upside down. What are you doing different over the last couple of weeks? Um, well, we are trying to kind of reestablish um, our distribution model since most of our businesses are closed that we distribute to. Um, and we have kind of just came come together as a staff and reaching out to clients to see if there's anything that we can do to help them with, because obviously some of them aren't open right now. So they're not necessarily doing print advertising. So, you know, doing social media or, you know, if we can go somewhere, maybe take lunch to somebody one day, uh, just trying to stay positive and help our local businesses. So talk to me a little bit about the model of Her Life magazine. I mean, you are in your fifth year and um, it, the magazine has been around for 12 years, right? So are you a franchise owner of Her Life magazine or how does that work? I am actually the franchisor. Gotcha. So I own the trademark. Um, we obviously ha- print a Kansas City copy and then I have franchises in California, New York, and Columbia, Missouri. And so this is a, a print magazine. I mean, obviously, there's an online presence, but it actually still does um, a print and is distributed how? Yes. So we print monthly about 30,000 copies, and some are direct mail or subscription, but the majority of our copies go to local businesses, doctor's offices, hospitals. Gotcha. The online presence is great, and the articles are great. I took you know took a look at it before you know doing the, the homework for the show. It looks great. I'm curious about the 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 printing model. It seems like such a challenging uh, a medium now, and you hear about all even kind of the major publications reshifting and stuff. So how how does it work, and how is it working for you? Um, you know, it's funny because whenever I bought the magazine five years ago, my attorney said, "You know, print's dying, right?" <laughs> right. And I was like, you know what? I mean, we're a niche publication. And I think our target reader is, you know, we named her Holly, her life. She's, you know, in our 40s. But we want to put down our phone sometimes. And we also just like the tangible and holding it. Um, So, yes, we do have an online presence. But... I think so many people pick up the magazine or take a magazine because they're real local women on the cover. Yeah, you know, I kind of refuse. I'm with you on that because I kind of refuse. I know every, that's everybody's saying that, that it's print is dying and this and that. But I think there's something to be said about that tangible, that the asset, the feeling, the turning the page. I don't think it's ever going to fully die. Maybe I'm an optimist and maybe because I, cause I love magazines, I love books too. Um, I don't think it'll ever fully die. And so I'm kind of with you in that camp that why wouldn't we want to kind of be that niche, right? Because I think there's I think there's something to that. 
I don't know. I mean, you, you know more about this than I do, but I, I'm just going off kind of my gut feeling and maybe my my hope and my sense of optimism. No, I mean, I think absolutely. But, you know, and like we tell our clients and tell everybody, it, it's not, you don't just read print. You don't just look at your phone. You don't just listen to the radio or see billboards uh, or see, you know, the advertisements on TV. I think it takes multiple mediums. Um, and so I think print's going to be around just like, you know, the TV and the radio and the direct mail flyers and everything else. I'm with you on that. And I'm glad you mentioned radio too, because obviously I love that medium. I don't think it's, it's, I mean, in a lot of ways, radio is, is stronger than ever. I don't know if many people know that, but it's not dying. You know, there is tremendous listenership on regular radio and satellite radio too. But I think people fully don't appreciate how many people are listening on radio. And I think it probably has to be the same for print, particularly if you're going to stick it out and be one of the ones that aren't giving up. I think there's something to it. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, one of, we have a radio partner and one of their DJs actually writes a blog, um, every month. And, you know, we, even the radio, they, we respect the fact that we both need each other. Right. And I think part of it goes back to local. I mean, I feel like it's bigger now than it's ever been is supporting local, uh, getting to know, you know, whether it's your DJ, your news anchor. Um, so I think there's a local. I think you're right. I think there's something to that. And the fact that I think they're, I think the trend is going to be particularly like with the avatar that you described, going to be putting down the phones more. I think we're kind of getting sick of the phones. Maybe again, that's just, I have no market research to back that up. I'm just talking from personal experience and from what I know from my circle. And I think even more so once um, we get through this pandemic, I think, you're right. I think we're all going to need a break from technology. And so are our eyes. I think you're right. In fact, I even said the other day, I was like, we were sitting around. I'm like, I said, dang, I'm just getting tired of looking at my phone. You know, I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of listening to the news. I'm tired of looking at my phone because it is, I am looking at it for a time suck. You know what I mean? And for the dopamine, I guess it comes with it, but, and, and not to not think, but I'm, I'm getting tired of it. Yes. And it, I feel like more so now that we're all having to, you know, we're not doing our meetings face to face right. and we're not meeting, you know, we don't have sales meetings and, you know, kind of out in the public right now. So I'm looking forward to being able to close my computer screen more often than not and put down my phone. <laughs> right. Well, let's get into, I'm curious about your background on this. I mean, obviously you were an athlete. I take it too. You did, um, diving was your, was kind of your deal, right? Yes. I was, um, primarily 10 meter platform, Ooh, which looking back now, I think was crazy. That's insane. Um, yeah. And I was trained for the Olympic trials and got injured. And, but prior to that, I was a gymnast. So that was kind of always my life. You know, that is, it is, seems like everybody that gets into that platform diving 
seem like they have gymnastics in their background. Is, is that is that a fair it's statement? Very common. Yeah. I don't know how you get the courage up. <clears throat> I took a dive one time, certainly not ten meters, but um, guy, you just land wrong. I mean, I landed wrong on my head or neck, and like my, my neck just like got sprained, and I'm like, good lord, ten meters. You land wrong. I mean, you could have some serious damage. Am I wrong? Uh, you are correct. But also, I did a dive at Senior Nationals in Florida, and I'll never forget it off 10 meter and hit the water perfect, and I shattered my wrist. Did you really? <laughs> uh-huh. Shattered so, your wrist. Yeah. They say it's kind of the equivalent of running into a brick wall, and it feels like it, no matter how you hit. <laughs> yeah. Everybody thinks a oh, water's soft. I'm like, no. That's a solid surface there that you're 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 penetrating. Yes, I actually went back. I went to University of Georgia, and I went back oh about eight years ago, and took my son who was still in diapers at the time, and we walked up to ten meter platform with my coach, and I looked over the edge, and I was like, "No way!" <laughs> so Would high. I again? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's so high. I mean yeah. that's but is that three? Is that is that? More than three stories? I mean, I'm it's trying three to, stories. Yeah, that's three stories. That's jumping off a three-story building. Yes. And How, never landing on your feet. It's it, always head first. That's crazy. I mean, this isn't a sports podcast, but I'm just curious about how do you get the courage? I mean, cer- certainly, I mean, how do you start from that? I mean, how do you work up to that, I guess? A lot of it's mental. And it's hard whenever you're nervous and terrified and shaking to be able to flip or twist with all of your physical might. And a lot of it's mental. And is that twisting and everything? I mean, I guess, I don't know how, again, that's, I'm amazed at gymnasts and everything else, but I mean, is, how do you know? I mean, obviously is your eyes, well, you can't be, but I mean, how how do you know that you're going to, your head's going to hit the water at the right time, I guess. Does that make sense? I mean, how do you know that? Yeah, a lot of it's body awareness and spotting the water. So even if you are not facing the water, it's waiting to see it come around again. So that's kind of your spot. But when I was coaching high school, um, probably about, oh, eight, six, eight years ago was the last time I dove and I remember getting in with my high school girls and my body awareness was not the same. Right. So it was like, I didn't exactly know where I was. So a lot of it's practice and practice. So how did that go into, and I'm glad you said it was mental because that was going to be one of my questions and I would bet and manage that coming up as a gymnast and then finally getting into diving. How much of that looking back now, would you say, attributed to your mindset now on how you are an entrepreneur, how you're a parent, how you see yourself as a leader. I'm sure there has to be some impact in there, but but have you ever looked back and kind of marinated on the lessons learned that you can look back with wisdom? Uh, yes. I think there's a huge parallel in that, you know, it's kind of like when you jump off 10 meter platform and when I decided to buy her life, I, you don't look back. You just keep moving forward. And, and I think also the time commitment, time management, um, 
and always working towards a goal. Yeah, the discipline uh, that comes with that, right? Yeah. In other words, if you don't think if you'd done the sport or hadn't been involved in sports, it's hard to say. But I mean, how much, I guess I'm trying to get to how much of an impact has all of that sports training, that discipline, everything attributed to your success and your significance in life? Oh, I think it's had a huge impact. Yeah. Now, again, I don't know, had I never done sports, would I still be in the same, you know, career and same place in my life? I, you know, I don't know, but I attribute a lot of it to that. And just, again, work ethic. And when you make a commitment, yes, see it through and then it's on to the next. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I look back at some like pivotal moments and times would be kind of like the trajectory of my life and like where things have pivoted. One of them was when I got on, I was on the, uh, I played sports, played baseball and everything else, even up through high school, but it was rowing when I got into college. I got on, I was on the crew and the rowing team and that really changed from a teamwork perspective and from a physical fitness and the discipline perspective. It was and a, and a great coach, and it was monumental to the trajectory. And I don't think I would have joined the Marine Corps if I hadn't done that, and and so on and so forth, and become a pilot. But I look at that sports aspect of it, uh, of teaching me more than than who knows how my life would have turned out. Not that I wouldn't have been successful, but I I I think sports plays a huge part if you get in the right sport and you have the right coach. I was about to say I think I've got lucky and always had amazing coaches and learned a lot from and were role models. Yeah. And also I think being part of a team and working together and yes, diving was kind of an individual sport, but it was combined with swimming and diving. Uh, so there was a team aspect of it. So yep. I think learning teamwork and was huge yeah not letting other people down right i think that was for me all sports has that certain aspect of it yeah you would think that diving would be really an individual sport but you're right you're competing as a, t as a team in for the most part right in college right i mean yeah. it's a team score yeah yeah so tell me a little bit about prior to that i mean role models mentors i mean who, who was what kind of led you into the sports i mean obviously are you looking at your parents are you got teachers coaches who were people that you whose shoulders are you standing on to get you to this point i hope first i was going to say my parents yeah uh i mean my mom and dad are, were both and still are athletic um and i think having their continued support and almost them being my cheerleaders and knowing that whether I failed or succeeded, that they had my back and then my coaches. I mean, I had, you know, a couple gymnastics coaches at the same gym. And I remember one of them, Jennifer, uh, was just, I mean, had a huge impact on my life. And everybody wanted to be like her. She was a good gymnast. She was a great coach, uh, just well-rounded. And then my college dive coach, who I am still in communication with. Yeah. And I mean, I think 
I think the coaches, obviously parents, but the coaches make such a big difference. It's huge, right? Make you love or hate the sport. I know we've seen, I mean, we've all seen those examples. I've been blessed too with having great coaches and, uh, but I know people in the same sport who had the opposite effect, right. And just made people hate it. And, um, it's interesting. So do you look at yourself as when you talk about leadership and your own personal leadership, do you see yourself as a leader? I mean, I think you would, but I'm just curious if you intentionally think about it on a day-to-day basis. I, I don't. Um, I always like to say that, you know, my coworker or, you know, my teammate or like more that, yes, in a sense, I am a leader and I do like to lead by example and teach as much as I can, but my team teaches me yeah, as well. And I feel like we're almost more kind of all in it together. And so I guess yes and no, but I don't think about it on a daily basis. Yeah. I don't think many of us do, but I do think I like what you said there. I see that you've got a humble teachable spirit. I think that that's one thing that I talk about a lot on this show and when I see people who are kind of achieving things or both entrepreneurial, the ones that are successful and sustainable, and having kids too, I think that changes your perspective too. But I hear from you that you've got a tremendous, humble, teachable spirit. Is that a fair assessment? Yes. And I always say that I am very fortunate in that I am only as good as my team. Yeah. And my staff and our, you know, our clients and our readers, but I mean, it's just, I'm very humbled at my staff for sure, because I couldn't do it without them. And I'm very fortunate in that I got very lucky. <laughs> what, how, what, what is a staff? I mean, how many people are we talking about here? What is it? What is entailed in that? So, I mean, just here in Kansas city, like at our corporate office, I have, um, a graphic designer, an art director, but my editors in Alabama, um, our writers are all over the country, our freelancers. Uh, and then obviously we have local photographers, local writers that just write for Kansas City. So it's, we're kind of spread all over. And some, you know, have bigger roles, have bigger parts. Um, but I always like to explain it. We all have a piece of the puzzle Yeah. that, you know, we bring every month, put the puzzle together and it goes to print and we take it apart and start over. And what aspect of, the, of that do you, I mean, I'm listening to your voice and I'm hearing that you seem to relish in that kind of collaboration. That is my favorite part of what I do is more almost like the project management uh, team management. And I always say that I kind of put the border around the puzzle. Everybody else has their piece and I just kind of make sure that it all comes together and, and typically it does. Hey, we're about halfway through the conversation, but I wanted to take the time to talk about my good friends, the sponsor here of the special series at Equity Bank. Have you ever noticed that most business bankers seem to really understand just one thing? It's banking, right? And not a lot about business. 
It makes sense since most banks were built generations ago and now they're often run by caretakers, not business builders. Well, it's not the case here at Equity Bank. The bankers at Equity Bank didn't inherit a bank generations ago. They built one of their own. They know that building something takes expertise, vision, and hard work. And over the past decade, they built one of the region's fastest-growing banks by working side-by-side with customers, with entrepreneurs, with leaders in communities all throughout Kansas, Missouri, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. Recently, Equity Bank was listed on the NASDAQ exchange, which gives them even greater capabilities to take on those big deals that growing businesses need to keep on growing. So if you're tired of talking to bankers who've never really ran or owned or built a business, then I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised when you talk to my friends at Equity Bank. Thanks for listening to this show. Let's get back to the conversation, this unique and special series on leadership and entrepreneurship brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank. I love that. I love that. I call it defining the sandbox. I think that's, to me, that's the fun part of leadership, but sometimes it's, it's overlooked. I think sometimes people go into it thinking they need to have all the answers and everything else. And, and I've, I don't know how I've morphed in that way. I learned long ago that that wasn't the role, but I, I do relish in the role of defining the sandbox is how I kind of put it. And that's what I heard you just say, kind of me defining the borders. Yes. Yeah. I think that's a, a, a critical part of leadership. I'm glad you think it's fun because I think it's fun too, but I think that is a part that a lot of, a lot of leaders miss, a lot of business owners miss, and particularly entrepreneurs. I think sometimes entrepreneurs feel like it's all about, you know, they feel like, and some ego from their own egos think they have to be. That's like, you know, I got, I'm the one who has all the answers. I'm the one putting all the risk. I'm the one that's risking everything here, so it needs to be my way or the highway. I think that's the wrong way to look at it. Um, I think you need to be decisive. You know what I mean? But I think you need to take input to find that sandbox to find. Because when you define the borders there, what you're telling everybody is you're kind of saying, hey, this is this is what we we want to accomplish. And this is why. Now help me get there. Yes. And I'm all, I am always the first one to admit when I don't know something or, Love it. you know, ask maybe the team what their opinions or thoughts are. Um or I'm just the first to be like, you know what? I have no idea because that is above my pay grade. So let me ask so-and-so. I love that. I think that's so critical. I don't know if you realize how how important that is. I mean, obviously, you you love that piece of it. I think, to me, that's the key. I think when you're creating, particularly as an entrepreneur, I think you've got to have that approach. I don't know how you can do it any other way. And it's, I think it's okay to not have all the answers and not do everything and, you know, give credit where credit is due because without everybody that helps us, we wouldn't have what we have. Absolutely. I mean, you have enough pressure as it is. Why do you got to feel like you got to be the one with all the answers? Good Lord. Exactly. That would drive me. And I don't have time to do everything. (laughs) Exactly. get all the answers. So what was the dream coming out of college? I mean, you, you mastered in, um, sports management. What were you hoping to do with that? I mean, what was your kind of your dream as you're finishing your diving career and getting your degree? What was, what was your dream? Well, originally I wanted to work for the NCAA. Yeah. Um, the headquarters, I don't know if they still are, but were in Kansas city. Um, and then after being an athlete for as long as I was, I realized that that wasn't really the route that I wanted to go and wanted to get into like professional sports 
either working for the Chiefs or the Royals. And it's really it found out really quickly that it's really hard to get into. <laughs> um, but going into my master's, that's what I wanted to do. And then I somehow started coaching high school, uh, coached three high schools, actually diving and then started working for Nordstrom. I had a friend that was, you know, I was like, I don't really know what I want to do after my internship. And so I sold radio uh, for a little bit and then went to work for Nordstrom and was there for seven years. And what'd you do there? Uh, I started out just in sales and then became a department manager. And how did that lead? So talk me, walk me through how that lead to purchasing Her Life magazine. Um, I ended up having Quaid, our oldest, and I remember being like, oh, I'm going to, you know, go back to work in three weeks. And my husband, Trey, was like, mm, I, why would you go back to work? And I was like, because I, A, I have to do something. Uh, I was not the best stay-at-home mom. And I always, for some reason, wanted to work for my dad. He owned a, he still owns a construction company. And he had his office manager that was put in her two weeks and was going to go do something else. And he called me. And before he could even ask me, I said yes. And so I started working for my dad doing kind of everything internally. And I was happy with that and loved it. And we went on a family vacation to Maui and met Lindsay who owned her life and started it, found out we lived five miles away from each other, no way. Uh, knew a lot of the same people. And she was starting a real estate company. And so we get back, I get my real estate license and work for her and moved into their neighborhood to be closer to them. And she calls one day and her husband was getting transferred and she was like, you know, and it was complete confidentiality, obviously not telling me as a pros, you know, a prospect buyer. Um, and out came my mouth. I want to buy it. And she laughed in my face and I said, <laughs> I'm being serious. Give me three months. <laughs> and then I never looked back and I wasn't going to stop until I figured out a way. I love that story. I love, I mean, there's so many kismet type of um, nuances in that story, but I'm really fascinated by the kind of s almost instantaneous, or it sounds like anyway, decision that you want to buy it. Is, did it just kind of, were you surprised when you said it? I mean, it just kind of came out. It sounded like. It, and it did. And what was so crazy was I knew of the magazine from the, you know, from the second it started. Um, before, before you met her in Maui? Yes, before I met her in Maui. Um, and so then um, when, so whenever I started doing real estate, for her, we were advertising in the magazine and I was just amazed at the response we got from having a print ad. And 
Of course, me being just who I am, I wanted to know why, how. Uh, so I was always asking questions. And now looking back, it was almost like that was why I was so curious. I was, you know, building up the knowledge, but also the passion for it so that when she did mention it, I mean, it was a surprise to me at first. And then it was just like, that's, this is kind of what I was always supposed to do. I love that. That's just great. I mean, and I know it just, I love the fact that you, I don't know, had that internal kind of knowing whether you knew it or not, but just the ability for that when it came up and you just spoke to it, you just knew that it felt right. And the fact that you didn't question yourself at the moment, I'm sure you questioned it after, you know, some of the limiting beliefs and the doubt kind of crept in afterwards. But the fact that you stuck with it, I don't know. I, I guess my point is I'm always amazed and I'm, and I'm a huge believer of the power of intuition, right? And that we, yes. we don't realize how powerful it is. And the more that we kind of harness it and kind of take the leap anyway, even though the fear was and the uncertainty was probably pretty strong, I believe that that fear and uncertainty is a great barometer of what you probably should be doing. And when you work through it, something significant happens. And it sounds like that. I mean, that everything that you did is, is kind of working through everything I just said there. And I just, I just love hearing stories like that. Yeah. And I've always said everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Sometimes we may not like the reasons. Sometimes we don't know why right away. Um, but I just, after it was said, it was like, okay, everything happens for a reason. Like everything I've done leading up to this, since I can remember has given me the tools for my tool belt to be able to do it. I love you have the awareness of that. Where do you think that come? I mean, I'm, again, I'm kind of diving and I don't know if you've ever really intentionally thought about it, but wh where do you think that self-awareness comes from? Does that make sense? My question. Yeah. I think a lot of it was just like my upbringing and, you know, my parents. And I also think, you know, going back to coaches and just kind of the leaders in my life. Yeah. And trusting that intuition though, right? I mean, did you, have you always kind of been that way or was that, was this kind of a moment where you just, was it out of the ordinary for you to kind of be that spontaneous? Mm, I would say I've probably always been that way. Good. Yeah. Which is probably why I like gymnastics and diving. Cause it was like, once you start or once you're in the air, you're committed. Yep. And you don't, yeah, I like that. I like that kind of mentality. I think that's why I like aviation from a pilot standpoint, right? Because like once I leave the ground, I'm committed, you know, and, and no matter what happens from here on out, I got to get this thing back on the ground. Which is funny that you mentioned that because I was on, the, on a call with a client the other day and she said that she had just heard the best thing that she had heard since this whole pandemic pandemic started and she was like we are all building the plane as we're flying it yeah <laughs> and that's how i start my zoom calls with my team is my arms are out in the air and i act like i'm flying a plane and i'm like guys we got to keep it in the air yeah i love it i love the mindset i love the i'm always again i don't know if these questions are kind of weird but i just i love the kind of just what made you kind of think this and I'm also curious too about 
what attracted you to the magazine. I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense. I mean, the connection and of communicating, um, kind of with that niche that you're you're involved in. I mean, you're certainly one of the. It's like you found the product before, you know, it's kind of like the hair club for men thing. Not only I loved it so much, I even bought the company. Right. So it's like you kind of <laughs> use, you use the, the product and you're aware of it before. So I think I know the answer to that, but I guess again, what, why this magazine and why is it so important to you? Well, first, I mean, I saw what it was doing for a company that I was working for. Right. Um, and we were, you know, both offices were in the same office space. Um, so I think me being aware of what it was doing for kind of my, you know, Lindsay's real estate business, but also her magazine, but knowing that it does work. Um, and obviously it was increasing my real estate uh, yeah. sales and listings so I feel like it was one of those kind of try it before you buy it. Yep. And so it gave me a sense of, I don't want to say security, but you know, like it was a testimonial. I mean, yeah. I, I knew firsthand what it had done for us. So it's easier. It felt like it was easier to be passionate about something. Yeah. And I think I'm sensing too, and I heard in this and like, just kind of, you, you seem like an insatiably curious person. I mean, the fact that you're asking the questions, I think that's an attribute. That's a, a trait that attributed to your success as well. What do you think when you hear me say that? I would absolutely agree. And I mean, I always tell my team or whenever I'm, you know, training a new salesperson, I'm like, you know, it's not just about the sale or what we do. It's finding out more about them or, you know, the business owner or the company and who they really are. They're not just a business. So I guess more depth. Well, I think that's what, in the, you know, even looking at the articles, I mean, I think that's what makes the magazine so great. You know, any, any kind of storytelling piece of any kind of publication are the stories, but there's got to be some, there's always got to be a foundation, an underlying kind of belief of curiosity or at least pursuit of curiosity, right? And always asking why and always trying to find those stories that no one's telling. Absolutely. Which is, we actually have Randy Mahomes on our April oh, sports cover right now. Yeah. And the story was just so amazing because yes, Patrick Mahomes is an amazing quarterback, but that's not all his mom is, you know, as a QB producer, it's, you <laughs> right. know, she has two yeah. other kids and talks about her failures and, you know, like we were curious and readers are curious as to what else is behind that, you yeah. know, not just what's on the surface. Yeah. So, and I think that's important with everything. Absolutely. No, I see. I get it. I mean, sitting there, I mean, I'm just, I, I love, I love hearing this story and seeing the background and seeing what makes up, you know, kind of your internal makeup. And, and the themes are always the same on the people that are achieving some great things. It's this kind of, this humble, teachable spirit, this intensity of will. I say this almost in every episode, but it keeps cropping up time and time again that, it, you know, it is about, I mean, I think all of us want to lead significant lives. 
And the pursuit of that is to kind of follow that gnawing, that kind of, you know, gnawing in your gut, that fear and this and that. And you got that from the diving, the gymnastics, the swimming, all that stuff. You, you get it that that fear and uncertainty never really goes away. And it's not about getting rid of it, right? It's working through it that produces the significant result. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And at some point, I think, and that's why I think sports and going through the Marine Corps and going through flight training, all that is like, you just, it never goes away. So just embrace it and get used to it. And I think where a lot of times people get stuck is they feel, they think that that fear or that kind of gnawing is an abnormal, you know, that's abnormal and that you shouldn't be feeling that. And if, and if I wasn't feeling it, then I could take the leap, but it's the exact opposite. Does that make sense? I feel like it's almost more chasing it yeah. like to keep that feeling going. And as you overcome it or, you know, it's okay. So what's the next thing, you right. know, what else can I do to get me to that feeling where kind of uncertainty, but cause I want to accomplish it and I want to do it. Yeah. I, I know exactly what you're saying. And I remember I had a, speaking coach one time she was actually an acting coach but she i hired her to help me with my presentations and my keynotes and she was really good she since passed away but i remember we had worked on this one pretty keynote it was one of my most significant keynotes to at that time to the date a pretty large audience and we worked on me and i worked on it and it was really I was really happy with it, but you know, for a presentation and speech, obviously I was nervous and she came up to me and she said, how are you feeling? Are you nervous? And my initial re reaction was supposed to be like, Oh no, no, I got this. Right. And I yeah. go, and I looked at her. I mean, she knew me better. She always, she could always tell she's all about this authenticity and vulnerability. Right. And I go, yeah, I'm pretty nervous. She goes, and she, she grabbed me by the shoulders and she smiles. She goes, yeah. She goes, that's what it feels like to be alive. She goes, you're going to knock. She goes, you're going to kick ass. You're going to do great. And that's, and I, oh, I never forgot that because to me that was, I just said, yeah, embrace that authenticity, that vulnerability and that, that fear and that uncertainty. And I, I used know. to hate speaking in front of people. Yeah. And as I've gotten older, it's almost like, okay, how can I get through it? How can I, it's almost like me coaching myself through it as well. Right. Well, it's embracing because something significant happens on the other side, right? It always does. And I think that's, yeah, that's the key. Yeah, and I'm always honest about it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm nervous as hell or I'm shaking. But guess what? I'm going to get through it and learn from it and grow from it. What are you teaching your kids? You know, you got an eight-year-old and a 10-year-old. Uh, what are you teaching them? Are you getting them involved in sports or just by example? I mean, what – what are you doing intentionally to, to kind of? They both are in sports, baseball and basketball. Um, and so I, my, my husband and I both think that that's an a, important part of growing up. And with that comes, you make a commitment, you stick with it. Um, I think a lot of, or what I hope, that I teach them is learn, you know, leading by example and them learning and watching and listening, but also being okay with, we're going to fall down. We're going to scrape our knee and 
but that's part of life. And you're going to fall down in different ways your whole life. And, but that's okay. That's who, you know, that's what makes you who you are. Yeah. I love it. It's re reframing the failure piece. I think is critical too. another thing that comes up on this show all the time is what does that even mean? When we frame it the way you just described it, that failure is kind of a non, what does it even mean? It's kind of a nonsensical word when you think about it. It's just, yeah. It's like how else are you going to learn and uh -huh. grow? And I mean, that's what makes you who you are. Absolutely. Well, I love it. I loved hearing your story. How can people get in touch with you, learn more about Her Life magazine, reach out to you, uh, let the listeners know how they can contact you? Yeah. So you can go to herlifemagazine.com and there's the different, you know, cities, the tabs. Obviously, I'm in Kansas City. Um, or you can email me at Tammy, T-A-M-M-Y, at herlifemagazine.com. Well, Tammy, I appreciate you coming on the show and uh, letting me kind of prod you with these questions. And um, I hope it was all right for you. And, and I hope that I, I know that a lot of listeners out there who are maybe kind of on the bubble from taking a leap can learn a lot from, from your example. So I appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the show. I hope you got some value out of this episode. If you did, please do me a huge favor. Tell somebody about this show. Tell your spouse, tell your kids, tell your coworkers. Let them know about the value that Dosa Leadership brings to your world. Go to dosaleadership.com. You can learn more about my services. If you're looking for somebody to speak, teach, or coach about leadership, I'm your guy. I'm known for my ability to transform individuals and organizations, teaching them the concepts of creating a culture of decentralized leadership. I do think that is the secret sauce to facing all the challenges that we face today. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. I look forward to the next time we're together. And until the meantime, make it a great one. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.